We are in our summer series, and we have had some wonderful speakers bringing us words that the Lord has placed in their heart. Last week, we had the uh, wonderful, enigmatic Denise, who brought us such a fantastic word called stuck. And if you're wondering what that's all about, well, good news, you can catch up online on YouTube, on our app. Uh, and uh, looking at the, um, the, the, the lame person, uh, the lame man at the pool of Bethesda, and the question that Jesus asked, which is, do you want to be healed? And uh, as I said, I'd encourage you to catch up on that if you missed that. So what am I going to be talking about today? Um, I spoke a couple of weeks ago on a thirsty soul, and I was reflecting on my holidays that we had and just this revelation of the difference between the flesh wanting to be gratified and the soul needing to be satisfied. And you see, only the Lord can satisfy our soul. And we unpack what that looked like. And I, if you recall, I read an excerpt from this book, uh, My Utmost for His Highest, which is a collection of talks from uh, Oswald Chambers, uh, who was born in the, in the late 19th century. And um, this was referenced, if you recall, from my talk from another book I was reading on holiday. And I'm going to read you this excerpt because it rather forms the thread that I wish to unravel this morning. And it is this, on the question of trials and troubles that we go through, or the clouds of life. It is not true to say that God wants to teach us something in our trials. Through every cloud he brings, he wants us to unlearn something. His purpose in the cloud is to simplify our belief until our relationship to him is exactly that of a child. And as I've been reflecting on my own walk with the Lord and, um, and my thirst for him, this question of how we can be childlike, I think, will unlock for us access to the kingdom in ways in which we have yet to fully understand. Now, I just want to say from the get-go, we are all children. Hands up if you're a child of somebody. Oh, it turns out you all are. See, I was right. Amazing. This is not about being young. This is about being a child. Whether you're 100 or 1, you're a child, right? So don't switch off. I know you won't anyway. But I want to look at this thread because, as I said to you, there's some power and truth in this. And as I've been reflecting on, on the teachings of Jesus and how he modeled relationship with the Father, everything is harmonized and comes together if we fully understand what it means to be like a child. And with that, I want, want us um, to... Look at Matthew 18. Why don't you turn there with me? And we're going to look at a question that the disciples asked Jesus. Matthew 18, we're going to read from verses 1 to 4. It'll be on the screen if you're in the room. If you're online, it'll be on your screen. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, Jesus put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. You know, I love how Jesus answers questions because if it was me, I was like, how impertinent. You want to know who's the greatest? Give over. Have you noticed Jesus, he gets some funny questions sometimes. Like the mother who said, is, which child of mine is going to sit on the right hand side of the father? He's like, like, what? He doesn't do that. He answers the question. He doesn't reject the question. 
And I could do a whole talk on that, which is Jesus will never reject your question. But that could be a title of a talk. Jesus wants to hear your question, FYI. There's no dumb question in God's kingdom, thankfully. But you see, Jesus answers not just that question, but another question. Have you know, Did you pick up on that? I put, put an emphasis when I, when I read it. You see, the question was, who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus says this, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom. Full stop. Don't even go there with greatest. Let me just say right from the, from the start, if you're not like a child, you're not even getting in. <gasps> oh, man, that's serious. And then he says, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom. You see, you get two for one with Jesus. That's value for money right there. Two for one. Buy one, get one free. <laughs> but what I want to do in the short time that we have is a bit of a Bible study. And I want to unpack what it means to be a child. I think we know it, but I think it's helpful just to refresh our memories. And I'm going to give you six, six reasons or six areas that you can, if you like, give yourself a mini audit. Who loves an audit? Don't like a tax audit. Any other audit's fun. Are you a child this morning? There you go. There's, there's the audit. And I want to give you six ways in which we can be children. And um, before I start, can I just say what Jesus doesn't mean is an excuse for simplicity, excuse not to go deep. I've heard that, well, we're supposed to be like children. I don't need to know. Really? That's not really what Jesus meant. Or, you know, my children often get led astray. Jesus does not want you to be led astray, by the way. You know, uh, Paul uh, talks about this in Ephesians 4.14. He says this, so that we may no longer be children. Well, that's a bit contradictory, isn't it? No, listen. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So when we talk about being a child, we're not saying be that kind of child. This is not an excuse to go out there and do what you want to do. We all, we all heard this. Well done. No excuses. But what it means is to be childlike. And let's look at that with the first one, which is this, humility. Shouldn't be a surprise here because Jesus actually uses that word, doesn't he? He said, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom. But what does humility mean? Well, it means simply this, devoid of arrogance and pride. It's devoid of arrogance and pride. I think this weakness of arrogance and pride seems to come with age. I certainly seem more susceptible to it the older I get than when I was young. Why? Because in our older age, we confuse the gifts God has given us with us doing it all of ourselves. We think the strength that we have is because of how great we are. We believe the lie that we are owed something because of the amazing achievements we've made, whether that be states or whatever. Are you following me? And I've seen it in my life. The older you get, the more you amass achievements or the, the more you recognize you're good at this, that, and the other, the more pride and arrogance seems to seep in. But you see, children are devoid of that, aren't they? And you see, what Jesus is saying here is simply this. The way up is the way down. The way up is the way down. You know, Jesus said, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, now there's two meanings for this. The first one is clearly heaven itself. In other words, salvation. In order to be saved, you need to be humble like a child and say, I need you, God. I cannot do it on my own. I am a sinner 
and I need a saviour. And the only saviour there is that has done it for me on the cross is Jesus Christ. So when you, if you have in this room, become a Christian, you as a child recognising you can't do it on your own and you needed a saviour. But here is the problem. And this is the second area that it means for kingdom of heaven. It is this. We do that and then we walk with Jesus and we get proud. And all of a sudden we move out of operating in God's kingdom. You see, the Lord's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So we're talking about the kingdom here. On as it is in. Right, there you go. So what does that mean? If you want to enter into God's kingdom here on earth, and what does that mean? It means walking in miracles, walking in his love and peace and extending God's grace. If you want to do that, if you want to experience his presence, then right now you need to be as a child. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's talking about this life, right? If you don't walk in humility, God opposes you. Did you know that? Think about that. You want to walk in the blessings that God has for you, and yet if we allow pride, what happens is his grace, which means his empowerment, isn't poured upon us. So when Jesus says, you won't even get, it, you know, get into the kingdom of heaven, what he's saying is, A, salvation. B, don't just think it's a one-time event. You need to walk in humility with God. You know, James 4.10 says this, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. The way up, down. The way down is up, whichever way you want to say it. And at the root of humility, at the root of it is our understanding that we are his children. At the root of it is understanding that he is our father. At the root of it is recognizing that we are not our own creators. He is the creator of all things. If you can't get that, you will never walk in humility. Everything flows from that. Why have we been, what's the chief end and aim of man? The Westminster Catechism of Faith. It is this, to enjoy God and to worship him forever, to glorify him forever. You have been created for him. It's not the other way around. He doesn't work for me. I work for him. We think that God is some Santa Claus that we can ask for stuff when we need it. As if he's some kind of cosmic vending machine. I heard someone use that phrase recently. I quite like that. Humility is recognizing that we've been created for him to worship him. And when you get that, when you can be like a child and see yourself as a child, then you can walk in humility. And that leads me on to the second point, which is this, dependence. And our little children have an awareness of that utter dependence on their parents, don't they? Daddy, can I have this? Mummy, can I have this? Daddy, can you do this for me? Mummy, can you do this for me? Mummy, I need your help. Or help. Or, oi. As is often phrase in my family sometimes. Oi, dad. <laughs> and you see, becoming like a child is making a decision and a choice to be utterly dependent on him for all things. I heard this wonderful story, which I think sums this up rather well. And I heard this from a sermon from another preacher. And uh, this father said to the boy, listen, I want you to go outside. There's some loads of logs, and I need you to chop them up for me. And 
you know, and there's a ton there. Now, I don't know how old this child was. Clearly, he wasn't under a certain age. Otherwise, that would have been reckless. But the age was age appropriate. So the boy goes out there and he starts cutting away. Anyway, a few hours later, the father goes outside and he sits down and he watches the boy and the sun's starting to set and there's still so much left. And he just waits patiently. And the son looks at the dad and said, Dad, what are you doing? He said, son, you just haven't finished in time. And the boy kind of recalls it, like, what? what are you saying, dad? He said, son, you didn't use all your, all your strength. What are you, dad, I have used all my strength. I have sweated for you. Look, dad, son, you haven't used all your strength. What are you saying? I'm worn out. I'm wasted. What do you mean? I haven't used all my strength. And the father simply says this, you haven't asked me for help. I don't need to add to that, do I? Our Father in heaven is sitting and watching and thinking to himself, when are they going to ask me for help? Why spend eight hours slogging? Why don't you start by saying, Lord, help me, and as you go. That really struck me in my heart because this is typically what happens I do things on my own strength. And then I complain to God that it hasn't gone well. God's like, hold the phone, Mark. I was here all the time. And you see, children get that, the dependence. So number two, dependence. Are you dependent on God? And can I say, this is not a binary thing, yes or no. It's, can I be more dependent on him and more dependent on him? Because that's the walk of faith, isn't it? Are you with me? We're up to number what? No, we're up to number three now. Was that a trick question or I've done a bad job numbering? I don't really know what happened there. <laughs> All right, three, number three. You ready? Trust. Trust. My children have an implicit faith in me, which is rather scary to be frank, but they just seem to trust me. All children trust their Heavenly Father. Do we trust God? Okay, I'm going to be completely honest and transparent here. Um, I don't fully trust God. Did the senior pastor just say that? Well, the visitors are here saying, what kind of church is this? I'll rephrase it. I trust God to an extent, but I recognize in my human weakness, there are some areas I just don't trust. And I I rather think it'll be like that to the other side of glory. Okay, I'll tell you what I trust God for. Do not worry about what you will eat or what you will wear. But your heavenly father knows you need those things. I believe that. But here's my problem. I don't always trust that God's going to give me good things. See, when we think about in our modern world, modern world and Western world, when we think about trust for things, it's not about whether we will have food and clothes. It's about the standard of living that we will have. Let's be honest with this. Now, God wants to bless us. I'm not coming in to uh, suggest otherwise. But you see, I enjoy comfort and all these things. I'm like, I don't think God's going to always give me this. Or maybe he is. I just don't know. You know what it says in uh, Matthew 7:11? It says, Father in heaven will give good gifts to those who ask him. Now, his good and our good might be a bit different but he delights in you and he wants to give you good gifts. We need to trust that that is the case always. 
in spite of our circumstances, we need to trust and believe that he is good always. We need to trust and believe that he wants to give you good things. My little little boy for a long time said, Daddy, can I have a radio control uh, airplane? I'm like, darling, I know you really want one, but that would not be good if I gave you one of those. Trust me. It would fly off or you might fly into someone's head and then would have to go to the police station. I mean, I didn't say that to him, of course, but that's what I was thinking. Your heavenly father knows what you need at the right time. And sometimes, like, my, like when I was young, I really want to ride a motorbike. And my parents were like, yeah, that ain't happening. Now, by the way, if you ride a motorbike, good for you. Over there, we got a, hey, there you go, Tim. Good, good going, man. See, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying motorbikes are bad. All I'm suggesting is for some of us, they would not be good, me included. And sometimes what we think we want, God's like, that is not going to be good for you. But you see, we need to trust that God wants to give us good gifts. That's trust. I'm going to move on. Number four, what's another trait of a child? Being teachable. Who ever gets trapped in the cycle of why? Why, Daddy? Because of this and the other. But why? Oh, man, here we go. Okay, I get that, but why? Lord, I just pray for strength right now. I'm patient. I recognize, Lord, you've planted me in this garden to bear fruit. Because so-and-so. But why? Oh, right. Darling, go and answer them. (laughs) Steph always has good answers. I get confused. But what I love about that is that pursuit of truth. You see, children have a desire to learn and to learn truth, don't they? Is that in your heart? Are you open to God teaching you truth? Just take a pause and think about it. Are you so set in your ways and your modes of operating? That could even, they could even be good things. They could be traditions. They could be a way in which you do things that have been good for a season. But maybe God is saying, I want to just mix it up a bit and show you something new. Are you open to that? Are you open to breaking a box that you have inadvertently built and put God in? Are you open for that? Deep down, some of us are not. And sometimes I get scared by that. I'm like, Lord, but I've just about got it. And just when you think you've got it, God's like, let's smash that box. You see, children are teachable. You know, I was thinking about it this morning. Proverbs 23, 23 is really great. Um, It says, buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. Now, of course, we don't buy it literally. But the point here is invest in it. In fact, another translation says invest in truth. Are you investing in pursuing truth from God? Are you invested? Are you investing in reading your word every day? Did he say every day? Yeah, I did say every day. Whoa, don't be legalistic, Mark. I'm not. I'm just saying. That's not legalism. There is truth in this. Truth will set you free. And the enemy will do everything he can to make you unteachable. Number one, you, you've got it down pat. Yeah, I have, you know. You haven't got time to learn new things. It's true, I'm so busy doing great things already. You haven't got time to read the Bible. And anyway, what's the point? You've read it, I don't know how many times, and it still says the same thing. Get yourself a new translation. Let's mix it up a bit. Listen to it on the, on the audio. Number five, what is another trait of being a childlike delight 
Psalm 37.4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Children delight, don't they, the smallest things. Steph and I had the wonderful Wilsons over yesterday. We had a lovely afternoon together and evening. And, uh, and Samuel is our godson. And we're, David and Claire and Steph and I were having a chat and, and a drink. And all of a sudden, we hear from one of the other rooms, because all the kids are playing, this, I, I mean, for me, it sounded like crying. But it was hysterical laughter. And Samuel comes running in. And we're like, is he, is he all right? And he, he was trying to relay to us something they had watched on TV that was hilarious. And that was very simple. But the delight on Samuel's face, he delighted in something so simple. And I think we can learn from that. Do we go outside our front door and see the beautiful trees and the birds and the creation and say, wow, I delight in that, Lord. I delight in you. Do we do that? Are we childlike in awe and wonder? Well, like, do we at night go out and look at the stars and go, wow, I don't need to go to a cinema. I've got a light show right in front of me. You mean God flung these stars into space and by his very word keeps them there? That's amazing. Amen. Thank you, sister. I'm reminded of that Lego movie and the little character, his famous song is, everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of the team. Everything is awesome. Maybe we need to be a bit like that. Whoa, God, everything is awesome. Someone get him off quick before he embarrasses himself. (laughs) That boat has already sailed, Mark. Delight. Who's up for delight in the Lord? You know that you know the, the Lord delights over you in Sephaniah. He delights over you. Did you know that? He, can't, he loves being with us. God is not some distant God with a stick waiting to hit you over the head with it. He's a loving God that's ready and waiting to delight in us. And number six leads me to this. Thankfulness. Thankfulness. Thanks, Daddy, for that. It's really great. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mummy. Thanks. I just got your glass of water, but that's fine with me. Do we take the time to thank God for everything? There are so many scriptures about rejoicing and giving thanks in all circumstances, aren't there? Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, giving thanks always and for everything. Like a child, like just... Are we like a child with thankfulness? Listen, these things that I'm talking about, you see, thankfulness unlocks a dynamic of the kingdom that we can't access otherwise. Thankfulness enables us to enter into his presence like no other. It enables us to fix our eyes on him when we're in a storm. Thankfulness enables us to feed the spirit and not the flesh. Thankfulness allows us to glorify God. And in so doing, our soul is satisfied. And I have, and I said this a few times, I make a point of when my eyes first open, I'm lying in bed, I start thanking God. Thank you, Lord, for this new day. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. Thank you for this and the other. When I open the fridge, thank you, Lord, that there's food in the fridge. If you've got moments in your day that you can get into a healthy habit of thanking God, that's a great start. Pick three occasions in your day where you thank God. Maybe every time you get in the car, thank you, Lord, that I got petrol today. That's all. Just start with that. 
Or when you, what about this one? Open your front door. Thank you, Lord, I've got a front door and I've got safety in my home. It's not about that. There are so many things we can be thankful for. All right, I'm going to invite the band up as I bring this plane to, God willing, a smooth landing. What does it mean to be like a child? It doesn't mean to be tossed to and fro by the waves of doctrine, by the winds of human cunning and craftiness. It means to simplify and to focus on him as our father. Number one, humility. Be devoid of arrogance and pride. The way up, the way up is the way down. Number two, utter dependence on him for all things. Number three, trust. Trust him for all things. Number four, being teachable and open for the Lord to speak truth into your heart. I just want to say on that point, you know, can I just tell you the best is yet to come for you. Don't let the enemy tell you your best has passed. It hasn't. It's coming up. Oh, Lord. I want to tell you the best is yet to come. We, I limit God's goodness so much. I recognize that. Lord, I repent. I ask your forgiveness. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. Number five, delight. Let's delight in him. Let's recapture the wonder and the awe of what it means to follow him. And number six, let us be thankful. 